you know um right the podcast that uncovers the origin stories of some of the biggest names in media sports entertainment and so much more we've been having a lot of authors on with us recently as well as, as tv stars and today joe our episode it's gonna get pretty spooky it's gonna get spooky and you can tell everybody why it's gonna get spooky joe <laughs> if you're listening to that you're not gonna get the full uh full effect there but that was very very good uh you may know our guest today uh as a ghost hunters academy graduate uh he was on the show ghost hunters uh the co-star and executive producer uh for the television series kindred spirits on the travel channel and recently he became uh, an author this year goodbye hello processing grief and understanding death through the paranormal uh, so, yes, he is an author, uh, but a lot of our guests may know him more from his TV work. Uh, we welcome Adam Berry to the show. Uh, this is unique because we haven't had a, a, a ghost hunter on here yet. So you're definitely the first. Adam, <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So, Adam, what was it like growing up in a haunted house? And when was the the first time... You saw a ghost, and how do you define what a ghost is? Sure. So, uh, you know, growing up in a haunted house is like, uh, it's not n normal per se, you know? It's, uh, there's, it can be scary and spooky at times, but I was a kid who loved uh, all things scary and spooky, right? Like I grew up in, in a time period where I was surrounded by, uh, you know, Ghost, the Ghostbusters franchise, the original one, uh, you know, uh, Goosebump books, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So my pop culture references with ghosts were like through the roof. So having activity in a house that you grow up in, it can be unnerving if you aren't me, <laughs> I, would, I guess. Um, I was very much that kind of kid who liked the things that were happening in the house. Uh, the first thing that ever happened was uh, a literal ghost dog, which sounds crazy and strange. But when I say that, because uh, most people think ghosts as like people that have passed on that come back or, you know, someone who kind of like, uh, it, you know, looks like a, a white sheet ghost, like coming out of your closet. But this was li a literal dog. And I didn't see the dog, but I could hear the dog scratching on the bathroom door. I could hear it walking into the room. And then when it, get, it got to the TV, we had one of those like old knob and tube TVs that you like had to press in the knob and the TV would glow a little bit, you know? Um, and so as soon as the sound got to the television, it would glow and then it would repeat. So it would be scratching, walking, and then glowing. And, um, you know, at first I tried to, I was like maybe in the fourth grade and I tried to rationalize it. Like maybe it's my aunt, uh, you know, maybe she's here because we didn't own a dog. We didn't have pets, but my aunt had a dog and maybe for some reason she's sleeping over. Who knows? Um, and then uh, it, it sort of dissipated and stopped. And that was the first time that I was like, oh, that was really weird. That was very strange. And then, you know, through the course of growing up in Alabama, uh, we always heard, you know, people walking down into the basement when nobody was there. My parents would be sitting in the bedroom or things would go missing um, that were right in front of you and now they're gone. So, uh, you know, to me, uh, it, it was an interesting childhood. But, you know, to your other point, what is a ghost? I mean, Basically, a ghost is someone who was once living like you and I, uh, who no longer is living. They are in a different form, uh, whatever you know that is to you. you uh, the theory is that they're made up of energy, right? They're made up of um, 
uh, things that we can uh, use equipment to uh, interact with them. Um, but they are people. They are people who are no longer living that generally want the same things that you do today while you're alive. So how do you determine if a, a ghost or a spirit, is it a good ghost, a good spirit, or, or a bad spirit, a bad ghost? So good energy versus the bad energy like you were talking about. Well, you know, if uh, if you get picked up and thrown across the room in the middle of the night, it's probably, it's probably not a good ghost. <laughs> um, just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, that's never happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Really, it's your perception. It's our perception, right? Like, so if you were to interact with a ghost, your perce perception of them is based on the activity that they create, right? So if you get scratched or pushed or touched or, uh, you know, something is actually thrown across the room, all of those things have happened. If you're not used to that kind of thing, you may think immediately this spirit or this ghost is bad, right? It's a bad ghost. It's a, it's a, you know, maybe a demonic entity. People throw that around a lot. But the idea is, you know, for us, I just think they're trying to get your attention. Like, I just think they're misunderstood. I think if, you know, if you get scratched or pushed, it's almost like they overshot the basket. You know, they wanted to get your attention for some reason, like there's some reason why they wanted to get your attention. And it's not to scare you. Like, you don't go around and like push people and scratch people to scare them, right? Like on a normal basis, you 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 say, hey, and you tap them on the shoulder to get their attention. But imagine that happening to you and you can't see the person that's tapping you, right? That can be terrifying. So I think, you know, the difference between a good and a bad ghost is our perception. I think also, if you're a jerk in life, what's to say you're not a big jerk when you're dead and all you want to do is mess with people and, uh, you know, cause havoc? Sure. Like, why not? Like, I, I think that's the case. Um, but we've interacted with both kinds, you know, good and bad and mischievous and uh, tricksters, you know, you, you name it. And we've we've interacted with people uh, that are like that. So what type of abnormalities around the house uh, would you say would would constitute the thought that okay maybe there is a, a some type of spirit uh, in the house? Yeah, uh, it, that's a really good question. So you right now are both of you are I, I'm assuming are in your homes, right? Like you're in your home office or wherever. So you know how things operate in your own house. So you are familiar with everything that's happening around you. And then there might be one day where something happens and you're like, that is really weird. That's very strange. Or you might see something out of the corner of your eye, or you might hear footsteps coming down your hallway when you know no one else is in the house. Or you might hear somebody talking in another room and you're like, did I leave a TV on? And you go and open the door and nobody's talking. It's little things that catch you off guard that are not normal to you. So it's uh, paranormal, right? It's not a natural thing that you've experienced, it's supernatural. Um, those are the most frequent uh, signs that your house could possibly be haunted, but you always have to look at the logic, right? You, if, if you hear footsteps or you hear somebody talking in another room, you need to not immediately jump to conclusions and say it's a ghost, right? Figure it out. Are your pipes heating up, right? Are the clanking of the pipes making the sound of the footsteps? Are, is there some sort of like uh, for instance, audio matrixing, where like the hum of a mechanical device somewhere in your building, somewhere in your house, somewhere outside, creates, your ear wants to make sense of it, right? So sometimes you're like, do I hear a voice? Oh, no, no, that's just 
you know, a piece of equipment on the street, like down a block or two, right? That you can sort of hear through your windows. So it's like trying to figure out what it can be because nobody really wants their house to be haunted. That's first and foremost. Nobody really wants a ghost. So figuring it out logically is best. And then when you can't do that, then you can begin to entertain the idea that maybe possibly there's somebody here who's non-living that wants to interact with you. Interesting. So do you think that babies see ghosts and spirits? And do you feel that if you're not trained like you are, that children, they are more attached and they're able to see those things easier? Uh, for example, uh, my father-in-law, he says when he was a kid, Dean Martin was sitting at the edge of his bed. So I don't know if you've ever seen celebrity ghosts either, but you know, he was a kid. So he kept he, he kept saying all these people that from his family that either passed away or people he knew, and they were always visiting him when he was a child. He still sees some things, but he's felt like as a child there was more stuff. So I have a young, a young child now, a baby, and oftentimes we catch him staring off into space on the side and he's smiling and laughing for some reason. So what are what are your thoughts on on the children seeing that seeing these spirits? Yeah, so I think now theoretically everything is theory, right? So I think and there's a theory that's out there that I love to to entertain that that babies that very young children are sort of connected to whatever afterlife energy that might be around them more so than we are as an adults. If you think about a kid, when you were a kid, you could pick up a stick and that stick was a sword, right? No matter what, you couldn't tell yourself anything differently. Your imagination was your playground. You would make forts and you would create environments and things as a kid that you were so in that moment, right? You, you, you were connected to whatever that is. And as you grow up, you lose that right? We become more serious. We become more about, you know, living life and making money and, and making sure that we like growing up and being an adult, right? And you lose that imaginatory situation. So I'm not saying that ghosts are imaginary to kids. I'm saying that I think their brains are a little more connected and they are physically open more to the ideas of, of that kind of thing, right? Because if, if you're sitting if you're sitting on your bed, if, excuse me, if I was sitting on my bed today, today and Dean Martin shows up, first off, I'm going to be like, yes, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Let's talk about the Rat Pack. Let's talk about everything. Let's talk about everything. But then two, I might be like, this is crazy. I need to get out of here, right? Like this is insane. But as a kid, you don't react in that same sort of way. So if the grandmother comes back and stands in front of the kid and the kid's like, bye, 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 and like talking to somebody, you're like, what is he talking to, right? That kid could actually be seeing something right. because that kid doesn't know any better. That kid does not know that this should not be occurring, right? And we've sort of blocked that off in our brain as you get older. So yeah, I think there's something to it, especially when you have those children who like uh, begin to talk and 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 tell stories of like, world war ii and they say uh, that they are reincarnate like reincarnated of this person there's no way for this kid to know any of this information can yeah. describe how to fly there's a kid i think he could describe how to fly a bomber from world war ii could literally describe it but he's like what four there's right. no way he would know that and so i think looking at that kind of stuff is really really interesting and so yeah i mean i don't want you to look at your kid today and be like 
and then he talked to starts talking or you know they start talking to somebody they can't see and i don't even immediately be like it's a ghost but you know i think it could be possible for gotta sure get, gotta entertain it yeah i mean i don't know <laughs> If you ever been to like a lot of these these universities and colleges that were haunted, like my wife, she went to Wagner College. They film a lot of movies there. Yeah, yeah. That's a place you should check out. And there was this incidence where uh, apparently some student at some point, he, I don't know if he took his own life or he passed away mm -hmm. in the dorm, but he was very well known for playing, playing marbles. And every time I, my wife's freshman dorm, when I would visit her, uh, you just hear the marvels all the time. Yeah, so that's cool. It's... No, no, no. I, I think I've, I've investigated a few uh, buildings or, or places that were uh, were universities, like uh, the Mission Point uh, Resort in Mackinac Island. Uh, apparently, there is someone who died by suicide uh, that is in the building. I mean, I went to the Boston Conservatory, and my the dorm twenty four, I think, was my first dorm, and there was always this rumor that some dancer fell down the elevator shaft that doesn't work anymore, you know, and people would say that that, you know, that dorm was very haunted. So I think, you know, and, and, and in that case, it's almost like those spirits are still around because they have unfinished business. It's like they lived their life to a point and then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're very young, they die young and there's something else that they need or that they want and they're, they're reaching out. And what better place to do that than can, you know, being surrounded by your peers right basically for the rest of however long you want to be here absolutely so for you adam as you're progressing here in your career and you're studying and you're experiencing everything how did you end up landing the gig with ghost hunters for sci-fi so yeah so i uh first and foremost Everyone listening, please grab the book, Goodbye, Hello, Processing Grief and Understanding Death Through the Paranormal, because it goes into this, this information very like much more in depth than we have time for. But long story short, I was interested in the paranormal, you know, growing up with ghosts. I, my husband and I, at the time, we were dating and we were living on the Cape. Uh, and we, you know, liked to go and as a hobby, look for ghosts. We would go to these old houses on Cape Cod and and explore the afterlife and we read books on it. And like, I had been reading books prior to that. So like, it was an, a culmination of like uh, a really intense hobby that we had uh, that became a career because I saw a commercial on television that said, do you have what it takes to be a ghost hunter? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and basically applied like everybody else. And for some reason, the producers of Ghost Hunters Academy liked me and they liked my story and and you know uh my experiences that i've had and i ended up being on ghost hunters academy which was a competition reality show where they put eight cadets in the ha most haunted places in the country uh and each week they would vote someone off based on you know their ability to not perform uh, you know the methods of taps which is the the investigation team on ghost hunters um and i won that show and I got a spot on Ghost Hunters and I stayed there for three years. So that is how I got to be on Ghost Hunters. But I think the the biggest thing is the evolution of, you know, the work that we're doing. So we started out, or I started out by just wanting to have experiences. I just wanted to see a ghost. I wanted to hear a knock, right? That's what it was. And then it got to a point where I had I had seen all that. I had seen a lot of stuff. And now I, you know, we transitioned into, well, why are the spirits still here? What are their, what is their purpose? And so now instead of just looking for ghosts for activity's sake, 
We are looking to verify the haunt, but also we want to know who they are, why they're here, what do they want, do they need anything, right? Is there anything that we can do on this side to better assist their journey on the next side? And so that's kind of where we evolved to from, you know, sitting in the dark with a flashlight and being like, knock for some, you know, knock for us, uh, which is fun. And I don't doubt it. It's fun. I like to do that too. Um, but now it's turned into a bigger purpose. Absolutely. So like you said, go check out the book, Goodbye, Hello, available wherever you get your books, more details on your beginning story, of course, and origin story on that and everything as well. So how did you pivot there and then get Travel Channel to Greenlight Kindred Spirits, which you're the executive producer <laughs> of as well. And yeah. really what goes into making an episode? Sure. So uh, Amy and I, uh, we left Ghost Hunters uh, because, you know, Ghost Hunters was awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun, but we were on the road, like, you know, at that point, almost 300 days out of the year. So, you know, you, it takes a toll on your family, your relationships. Um, Amy had just had uh, her child and she was on the road and we were partnered up together on ghost hunters. And, you know, there, there came a point where it was tired. We were tired and we, she was like, well, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm like, I want to spend more time with my child. And we travel a lot. And I was like, well, if you're not going to be here, I don't want to be here. And so she and I, after season nine left, and we didn't really have a plan to do our own show. Um, it, it wasn't something that was, you know, not necessarily on our radar, but it wasn't something that we were looking for. Um, but people were knocking, people kept knocking. And uh, finally, uh, Destination America uh, said, we would like to have a meeting with you, you know? And so we put on paper what we wanted to do if we were to do another show. And that was Kindred Spirits. Uh, it, the, the treatment that we wrote, that we presented to Destination America is exactly the show that you see. Um, it, it is, it's all about exploring the truth behind the haunt using research and analysis and family history and ancestry and land deeds and surveys and interviews to figure out who is haunting the location based on activity and fact. Um, and we, uh, we had a pitch meeting. It, it was supposed to last 10 minutes. It lasted 45 minutes. Uh, and then two months later, they greenlit it. There was no sizzle. There was no, uh, we need to see you on tape, on film. There was, it was it. That was it, which does not happen anymore by the way that's not gonna happen it's like not a thing that happens um but we were we were lucky and they 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 picked it up and before our first season aired we started filming and before it aired uh tlc the head of tlc caught wind of it and said we want it for tlc so it premiered on tlc instead of destination america but we had the same uh group the same three people and those three people that were with us that greenlit us um uh, carried us through uh, six seasons of that show from different networks. Like we went from TLC to Travel Channel, uh, Destiny America, TLC, Travel Channel, Discovery Plus, Max, Mergers. Like it, it, it's been a, it's been a really wild ride, and uh, uh, that's basically it. And what's crazy is like people are like, well, how do I get? How can I get a TV show? I'm like, the answer is you can't. You really can't. <laughs> it's just like, it's not up to you. You can have a really good idea and it is, you have to hope that people believe in it. And I think they did believe in it. They believed in us because what we were doing was very different than the genre that you saw on television uh, at, at the time that the show started airing. Yeah, and TLC at a point, they were kind of going all in on this stuff. Your show, 
but Long Island Medium, I don't know if you ever met her. Oh yeah, I did. I met yeah, her. So what was that like? <clears throat> yeah, she was cool. She's um uh she's very sweet. We went to a Christmas party and uh she looks the exact same. And uh we got a picture with each other. I mean, she didn't go around like telling people right. anything, you know. You should but, uh, Matt, I I wanna know what you should think look into bringing her with you on one of these what ghost we do? So yeah, so I would love to use long I would love to have her on. The difference is though, so we use chip coffee, right? So chip coffee comes onto our our faces. Right. Uh, and the thing about chip is we we always say this and he loves this, but we always say that he's a tool in our tool bag. So he will come in, read the space from a psychic perspective. And then if anything that he says uh, matches up to things that we already know that he doesn't know, uh, then that's great. Cause we're like, okay, cool. Maybe we have a direction. And then things that uh, he says that we don't know anything about, we'd love to like verify it or factually back it up or or see what happens. The thing about Teresa and even Tyler Henry, who I interview for the book, um, I, I can't speak for Teresa, but I'm, I think it's this, it might be the same. She receives her information from the other side about somebody, right? So she is calling to people and saying, there's somebody with me that resembles a father figure. Did you lose somebody? Right, right. So they're yeah. trying to they're trying to help you uh, with your own grief, right? But like Tyler, he has never experienced a ghost on this plane. He gets his information from something else, presents that information to the person he's talking to, but he does, he's never seen a ghost standing in front of him. And, you know, and I don't know if that's the same for Teresa, but I, I, I assume so. Um, maybe not. Somebody DM me and let me know that's not true. But like I, but for Chip, Chip will walk into a space and go, yeah, there's somebody here who is male. Uh, he's giving me like 30, 40 years old, very angry, agitated. Oh, he doesn't like you. You know, he's giving me information from the spirits that are actually in the space and not from some right. other um, cosmic yeah. uh, conversation, difference. if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So what goes into uh, writing the book? Because dedicating time for TV and dedicating time for writing are two entirely different things. And let's talk about the book a little more. Uh, what is one big lesson that readers uh, can take away from Goodbye, Hello? Something that maybe they didn't know before, they didn't, they didn't sure. think before that it changes their opinion or changes their view of things after reading it. Yeah. So uh, I think my favorite thing is that you don't have to believe in ghosts to get something from the book. Um, you can believe in ghosts. That's totally fine. You don't have to. And I think that was a big uh, that was a big deal for me because I didn't want to alienate people that are skeptics, because at, at the heart of what I do, I'm skeptic always. I mean, I'm you need to prove it to me. Right. Like I need to see it or feel it or hear it. And so I wanted to make sure I didn't alienate those people. And I think the biggest uh, surprise that you know those that are reading the book find is that it's universal the con the ideas and the conversations whether you believe in ghosts or not is a universal theme and for those who have lost a loved one who are grieving who need more answers than what they're getting from their friends or religion or family this is something else that maybe can unlock uh new ideas to help you continue on your grief journey the book also doesn't tell you how to grieve. Like no one should tell people how to grieve. That's not a thing. So it's not a guide to grieving, but it's a way that you can receive different ideas based on what I know from my investigation career, talking to spirits on the other side. What have they said to us about death and the afterlife that can help us better understand 
you know, where my grandmother went or why do I feel that they're here sometimes and then they're not? Or, you know, I, I have a dream about her and it is so vivid. I'm in the past, I'm in the driver's seat. I can control the dream and she's standing in front of me and it's real, like, what is that? And so it answers all of those kinds of questions. And we also talk about like the end of life experience, what people say when they're, you know, in the hospital and they're dying and what they're experiencing and how does that relate to the afterlife and the paranormal or um, uh, near-death experiences? Like how are people changed from that experience to better understand what is next, you know? Um, and so I, I think the book is for everyone. If you like ghosts, there's really great stories in it, right? Um, and there's really great insight on on ideas uh, that that I've been exploring for you know 15 years. Uh, but if you don't like ghosts, you're still going to get something from it. Um, and in in the sense of how how to write a book, like literally pull your hair out all day long, and then like throw up a chat, like literally throw down two pages so quick because the amount of time I like set with my hands beside my head, just like my elbows on the table, staring at my computer, being like, I don't have anything else, but I know that there's something else I need to talk about. Um, it was very difficult. It was it was it was very hard. Uh, it took me about a year to write it all out. But it, these were ideas and topics that I have been exploring for years and years and years. So um, once once I got a groove, once I got my groove, uh, it became easier, right? Um, but I but it is very difficult. Uh, also, reading the audiobook, I read the audiobook. That's that's a game changer. If you ever want to like critique your work after the fact, don't read. If you don't like that, don't read your audiobook. But that was difficult. That was really difficult. And at times I'd be like, what am I even saying? I mean, they're like, okay, no, I, I know what I'm saying. Okay, great. Okay, I get it. But it's weird. Yeah. So you talk about a lot about the humanization of ghosts and kind of going back to what Nick was saying before are there good ghosts? Are there bad ghosts? We talk about the whole grieving process. Uh, if you lose a loved one, is that presence still in your life, in the house? Right. So talk about what it means uh, when you say humanization of ghosts right. and how yeah. is that explained in the book? So ghosts are people too. It's basically the same thing. So when you, when we have, uh, when we experience paranormal activity, the first thing I want everyone to think is, yes, that's weird. Whatever's happening is weird, but it is not a creepy, disgusting Hollywood made up demonic creature on the other end of that activity. It is literally a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, someone who has lived just like you and they are now no longer in their physical body and they're living in a world or they're existing in a world that isn't created for them. This world is created for the living. We can smell, touch, taste, interact, have conversations, get things from each other. Um, but they are hard to see and hard to hear. and But they still want the same human traits and qualities that we want. And so as investigators, I encourage people to find out what that is, try to give that to them and maybe ease whatever burden they are still shouldering, um, even though they are no longer here. And so that's what I mean by the humanization of ghosts. It is, it is looking for activity or experiencing activity um, that is the same thing as a as as a person in your room doing the same thing you know it's the exact same thing give us your funniest and also your scariest paranormal encounter oh god that's so that's hard uh funniest oh okay so okay here's the funniest i'll do the funniest first um amy and i were investigating a carriage house in maine 
and it used to be a rehabilitation center for drugs and drug and alcohol abuse. We were making we were making we were having conversations with a gentleman we assumed 1970s who was really pervy. I'm talking really inappropriate. Uh, and he wanted he based this ghost basically said he wanted a threesome, but not with me. <laughs> he wanted Amy and he wanted another chick, but he didn't want this threesome. And I and it was just it got really inappropriate. And we to a point where we were filming. You can watch this episode uh, where where Amy is like, I don't think I we can air this. She's like, I don't think we can air this on television. This makes no sense. Um but we did, you'll see it. And like, he, this guy was just swinging, man. He was a swinger and he was just living his best life in this carriage house. And he also like the, he also like the women up in that space uh, were very, felt very kind of threatened and uneasy and like men were fine. And so it made sense. It was like, yeah, this dude's a creeper, right? Um, so that's probably the funniest thing that's ever happened because uh, you know, People don't realize, I guess you could still be sexual even if you're dead, like who cares, right? Um, the scariest thing, I, I would say one of the scariest things was we, uh, Amy and I investigated the Villisca Axe murder house, the Villisca house in Iowa, Villisca, Iowa. Uh, and uh, we, it, it, the story is there was a gentleman, they, they never caught him, he, the, they believe that he stayed in the attic all day long with like an ax. And when the family went to bed, he killed the mother, the father, their children, three children, and the two friends that were sleeping over downstairs. This is in the early 1900s. It's one of the most gruesome ax murders. Uh, but we've re realized that if you were alone in the house, this entity, this person uh, that was acting out, would really start to act out because it was feeding off of the fear that you had. And so I decided to use myself as a guinea pig, as bait. And I sat at the entrance of the attic, staring at the bed that the mother and father were in when they were killed. I opened the attic door. My back was completely vulnerable to the attic. And anybody who knows me knows I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. Um, and I sat there alone with a camera on me and I did uh, an EVP session. I asked questions and wanted to get responses. And, you know, it was nerve wracking and really intense. And I I said, you know, I said, asked them about like what happened or, or, you know, did you do something to this family? Is it you? And it says, I killed them, plain as day. And I'm sitting there alone listening and I hear it and I don't even acknowledge it. And I rewind it and Amy is listening. She's not there, she's in the other uh, building listening to me. And I play it back and it goes, I killed them. And Amy goes, it says I killed them. Adam, it says I killed them. And it was the first time that I was like, oh my God, I'm literally speaking to the, the dude whoever committed this crime. Um, and I'm alone in the crime scene. So it was, that was, that was fairly, nerve wracking. But the thing is, people are like, well, why did you do that? The thing is, we did it because we weren't getting the information that we needed. So we had to push the boundaries of what we were comfortable with so that we could coerce whoever it was out to talk to us. And we would have never gotten that information if we hadn't uh, put ourselves in that kind of situation. So can you recall any other memorable uh, investigations over the years? And I wanted to ask you specifically about going on location 
feeling the energy and, and the presence immediately of uh, the place that you're in. Right. So uh, if there are any other memorable experiences, you know, we would like to, for you to share them, but specifically, can you recall an instance where you, you were on site somewhere and it was immediately, you felt like a negative energy, you know, outside yeah. of the Iowa story, or if you walked into some place and you just immediately, immediately felt like this positive energy, like the presence yeah. there was just like waiting for somebody to interact with. For sure. So um, we always say that everyone, we think, well, I think, and a lot of people think this, that everyone's a little bit psychic, right? Like a little bit psychic. And I think the more you, you know, tap into that part of your brain, the better you can get at it. However, um, those of us who investigate the paranormal, like Amy and I, for instance, we have, we've been in thousands of places that are haunted, thousands and thousands and thousands. And we've been able to sort of, I know we're not psychic, like I'm not going to connect you to a, a loved one who's passed away. Um, but I can walk into a room and I can tell you, oh, there's something here that feels weird, right? Like the energy is thick. And the best way to describe that for anybody who's never experienced this is if you've been, ever been house hunting or like apartment hunting and you walk into a place and you're like, oh, this place feels good. Like, I love this. I love the vibe that I'm getting, right? Or you walk in and you're like, oh, something about it is off. So I don't like it, right? Something about it is not right. It's the same concept. And so we can walk into a space and be like, you know, this room feels weird. Let's sit here for a minute and see if we can interact. Now, when I say weird, I just mean like, not necessarily negative, but like the energy is heavy. And I think we, the, the thicker the air is, like the thicker that energy is where you can feel like you can cut it with a knife. I think the more aggressive the entity is on the other side, right? Um, and then sometimes we'll have these conversations and we'll ask questions and we'll get answers. And then all of a sudden we won't feel it anymore. And we'll be like, oh, that feels really different, right? We should probably go. This doesn't make any sense, you know? And so um, I think that's one way to look at it uh, in terms of like how you can tell whether or not something is is there. But, you know, on the, on the flip side, the positive side, like that's why we kind of use equipment, like not kind of, but we when we use equipment and we see a spirit or entity interacting with something that they really enjoy, specifically if you're talking about a child spirit or if you're talking about, um, you know, any equipment that plays music, for instance, like sometimes uh, spirits really love that stuff. It's like, ah, oh, I can make this go off. Cool. Right. I'm going to do it again. Um, and I'm going to like talk to you. And I, I really want to like be a part of this conversation, you know, like the creeper in the carriage house. So it's like, though, like that creeper, he was creepy. And, but he wasn't like bad. He was just a little pervy and like having a really good time. And so you can sort of feel that energy and you feel that vibe. And it's the same thing when you're at a party and you're meeting people that you don't know and you say, hi, my name is Adam. What's your name? It's the same concept. You get weird vibes from people. You're like, that dude is really strange. Uh, I'm not going to be near him anymore. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be around that guy. He's really weird or like an energy vampire, or whatever you want to call it. You're like, I, I don't like it. It's the same sort of concept. And I think, um, you know, that it, it takes... It's like an acquired taste, I think, to notice that kind of thing. But you would be surprised how many people, you know, when I say the, oh, it's like looking for an apartment or a house, they're like, oh, I know exactly what you mean, right? And then they start to hone that in, right? They'll go to a like a place that's supposedly haunted and they'll sit there for a minute and be like, oh, it does feel weird in here, right? Like, oh, it feels weird. Like, Let's sit here for a minute and see if we can investigate ghosts. Um, so yeah, uh, I think anybody can do it, but that's pretty much the idea, I guess. So in your life or in your career, 
what would you say is your, you know, I'm right moment. And that's a time or place where you perhaps ask somebody for advice on something and they're like, don't do that. That's crazy. You're like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Ultimately, yeah. you will see why it is that I'm right. Well, so because everything we do is theory, right? Uh, a lot of the things we do is crazy, pretty crazy, right? Like <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And so, you know, I think sometimes it's like shooting, uh, it's like throwing everything against a wall and seeing what sticks because we have our methodologies, right? Our methods, right? We have, we use recorders, we ask for knocking, we try to get information from them so that we can better understand them. And when none of that works, when none of that is like, or maybe we're getting something, but it's not really getting us anywhere. I always think that we're not doing something right. There is a piece of information or history that we don't know. There's something that we need to bring up that we're not talking about. There's something that we're missing. It is not their fault, it's our fault. And so we've done really crazy experiments. Like there was a case um uh where we did uh the crocker tavern house and it was my my friend owned the house and she would see this woman running into her bedroom at night saying help me help me right and she had a newborn child not okay with that like she doesn't like like not a ghost person like this is not okay with her the house was built in the 1700s it was around during the revolutionary war but this woman would come in and just say help me help me and we uh we figured out through research and interviews uh, that there was a train accident that happened less than a mile away from the house. And a woman, uh, Wilhelmina Crocker, was thrown from her car when the train hit her car in like the 1920s or 30s. And she died. And she was, her maiden name was Jones. And her grandmother lived next door, uh, which was a house that is now the Historical Society and they're never open. And so our theory was she was reliving the accident in a way where she was running for help, but the only familiar houses near the area for her is her grandmother's house, which is always closed, nobody is there, or the Crocker Tavern house, which sits right next to it. And so we felt like maybe she's coming in and looking for help, but we could not get the information. We were getting information, but we couldn't verify it was her. And so we did this really crazy experiment where we thought we were nuts, um, but Amy, went to the train tracks, right, with her recorder to see if she could basically trigger the activity so that I could have the experience in the house of this woman coming in or talking to me or whatever. And we synced our camera operators up. She went one way, I went another way. And when you play back what happened side by side, we I start answering her questions that she's asking almost a mile away. From listening to the spirit box, hearing this woman talking, I hear an explosion. I hear the word ow, like she was in an accident. And as soon as I say that, this is mid-December on the Cape. There are no trains. There's nothing. The entire arm, the, the arms of the crosswalk start going ding, 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 and come down and sit. And Amy's like, oh, my God, there's a train. You can watch her. And she's like, oh, my God, there's a train. There's a train. And then it goes ding, 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 ding. After I say ow and hear an explosion and then you hear and then it just stops and the arms of the train go up and there are no train. There's no train. The arms of the crosswalk go up. There's no train. And it was as if we triggered the activity. We triggered this like um, uh, residual energy of this accident. And it happened. It, it was like the craziest thing 
And when we played it back, it, we didn't know what we had done. Like, we were like, what have we done? Like, what have we unlocked, you know? Um, but it, you can watch that episode. And it's like one of the craziest off the wall experiments that we ever did. And uh, still to this day, I think we were nuts, but it worked. And so why not, you know? <laughs> well, you know what they say, reality is stranger than fiction, right? hundred percent. People like people are like, why aren't you scared of ghosts? I'm like, I'm scared of real life people. They're nuts. Real life people are crazy nuts, right? I'll take a ghost any day. I'll take a ghost any day. Nick and I certainly agree. Uh, <laughs> so one last time here, uh, your book recently came out last couple months. Goodbye, hello. Processing grief and understanding death through the paranormal. Uh, go pick it up on Amazon or wherever you get books. Uh, so what we do, Adam, here is we appreciate you taking the time doing with this with us. We always give our guests the last words. Uh, so if there's anything else you would personally like to share, promote for yourself uh, beyond the book, by all means, go ahead and do so. Uh, talk a little bit about the book here at the end. If you have it in front of you, we always like to show it uh, for the audience. I don't know if you have it around you. I have but 37 you know. in my car. I have 37 in my car <laughs> that I have not unloaded. You'll have to just take my word for it. I have a book, I promise. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, like I said, thank you again. And it, this is something that's very unique. You know, Nick and I have never talked about ghosts or, or anything on here before. So we got to pick your brain a little bit. It was very, very interesting, uh, incredibly unique. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for your time. And again, if there's anything else you would like to share or promote, by all means, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Um, please pick up the book. Anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, the audiobook is fun. I narrate it. It's a great listen, six and a half hours. It's not like uh Barbara Streisand's new 48-hour book. It's it's quick, it's a quick drive. Um, uh, if you want to see me at events, you can go to adamberryevents.com. Uh tell, talks about where we're gonna be, where we're investigating, where you can come and investigate with us. Uh, and then follow me on all uh all social media. You can Google Adam Berry Social, you'll find it. Um but, uh, you know, Instagram, Adam Barry, Twitter, Adam J. Barry. Um, and just, you know, stay spooky. Let me know what you think about the book. Rate and review. Like this podcast. Do all the things. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Adam. This has been Thank great. Thank you. That's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right for our very special guest, Adam Barry. For my co-host, Joe Calvers, I'm Nick Durst. And this has been You Know I'm um, Right. All right.